to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim, and we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida, ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Debunking, indeed. Although, again, this week, we are not really debunking much. I kind of wish we were. I know, right? That would make it so much more satisfying. I like. I would love to debunk a murder and be like, "Oh no, JK. it was aliens! <laughs> it was aliens! No murder! It was a it was a fake body! It was a clone! Ha ha ha!" No, <laughs> not so much. You know, I actually I had week. an interesting conversation the other day with somebody. We were talking uh, generally about like true crime and the true crime phenomena. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And what got brought up was that most. I don't know, fans feels like the wrong word, but I don't know, most true crime enthusiasts doesn't Enthusiast sound any better. Is all, yeah, I was going to say, there's no good word for someone there's who no likes, like, word. dead things. Yeah, well, but I mean, like, it's not even dead things. It's specifically, like, serial kills and true crime. But we were kind of talking generally about, like, the celebrity of murder culture and all that. Sure. and And that most people could name probably five serial killers. But almost no one could name five victims of serial killers. That is so sad. Yeah. But like, I mean, also, I'm not surprised. Well, because again, it, it goes back to that, like the sensational, yep. uh, you know, serial killers. Are, we talk about the killers. We talk about the victims, but the names are said and forgotten. Mm-hmm. And, and just, I don't know. It was, a, it was an interesting conversation. It, it gave me some food for thought. Um, and and particularly, you know, coming back to our our part two yep. of our case, yeah. Um, you know, these are these are some young people who whose names are not said enough. So, uh, it's my hope that when we do cover a a true crime case, that we do our best to to honor the people who were murdered. But uh, yeah, um. Well, and actually, when we last left off, yeah, and this is a a good for those of you who are just like listening to the latest episode. Pause. Pause. This is a part two. This is a part two, my friends. Rewind. We covered, rewind. We covered part one in our previous episode, uh, and and much like in our previous episode, we will at times be talking about sexual assault uh, in regards to what what Danny Rowling did to some of his victims. Um, there's some, some rough talk that happens in, in revisiting his crimes. And so if that's something that's like, you know what, I don't really want to hear this. This might be one we skip. Go back to haunted Disneyland. You'll have a blast. Go back to haunted Disneyland. We got some good, like, I don't want to say good, clean fun, but we've got some upcoming episodes. Good, weird fun. Good, weird fun. I'm kind of stoked on on my next one, actually, after this. Although it, it, it's, it can be a bummer, but it's, it's weird. That's also just very much our MO. Yeah. It's a bummer, <laughs> but it's weird. But it's and weird, it's but like, it's cool, but it's kind of a bummer. That's, there's always some kind of like underlying bummer in uh, most of these episodes. Well, the, the name of our podcast is Ghoulish Tendencies. Like, you know come what on. you're walking into. Yeah, that's the spoiler alert right there. You knew what uh, you got yourself into. You know what you got yourself into, yes. <laughs> that sounded very ominous. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect, darling. Perfect. No, we, we last left off talking about a series of murders that had been happening in August of 1990 in Gainesville, Florida. And the police had some suspects, but nothing had really been... Like panning out. But they were about to get a break in the case. Cindy had met Danny in church and thought he was a little odd, but fairly harmless. Her husband didn't like Danny, but Danny used to come over a couple times a week. Now, one day her husband came in to say that he did not want Danny coming around anymore because Danny had said he liked to stick knives in people. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that's normal. That was what no. I used to say when I was a teenager. No, it wasn't. I mean, I mean, it if was, I but knew also that, I, I also wouldn't be fully surprised. <laughs> there's a way one says they want to stick knives in people that makes it charming. And there's a way where it's creepy. 
Yeah, I know that line, my friends. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm adorable. Yeah, you are. I'm so fucking cute. Okay. Cindy would later recall Danny also talking about, and this is a quote uh, of something she recalls Danny saying. One day I'm going to leave and I'm going to go where the girls are beautiful and I can just lay in the sun and watch beautiful women all day. Cindy called up Crime Stoppers and told them oh. they should look at Danny Rowling. Awesome. But who was Danny Rowling? Danny Rowling was born on May 26 of 1954 to James and Claudia Rowling. His father, James, worked as a police officer, was verbally and physically abusive to the family. Oh, no. He told Danny he was unwanted from the time he was a young child. Oh, buddy. And now this is something like neighbors witnessed this. Neighbors witnessed him verbally berating Danny a number of times um, and hitting him. Mm. Claudia tried to leave her husband uh, on numerous occasions. She always returned. She suffered a nervous breakdown when Danny was nine. And that continued to have an impact on his behavior. His teachers described him as, quote, suffering from an inferiority complex with aggressive tendencies and poor impulse control. Oh, look at that. He started drinking around age 13. Was arrested by his own father at one point. What? Well, because his father is a police officer. Sure. And left in jail for two weeks. His mother would write a letter later in his life trying to explain some of his upbringing. It said, He was an abused child. From the day he was born, my husband was jealous of him. Which also, P.S., what the hell? That's problematic That's on many problematic. levels. He never wanted me to hold him or show him love in his presence. I would have to write a book to tell you all that we as a family have suffered because of my husband's jealousy. You know what you could do, lady? You could leave him. Yep. Just saying. He was told from the time he could understand that he would be dead or in jail before he reached 15 years of age. Oh, my God. His self-esteem was destroyed by his dad's constant belittling. Which, okay, on the one hand, I'm like, like, bro, way to fuck up your kid. Right. On the other hand, yeah, this isn't a free pass to go murder a bunch of people. No. No. This is what we like to call a lose-lose situation. This is, a, this is your classic lose-lose scenario. Yes. So as a teenager, he continued to struggle with the law. He was arrested a lot. <laughs> a lot. Uh, like, it's a whole other podcast just to go into the number of times he was arrested. Jeez. At the age of 17, he left home, joined the Air Force, was discharged like two years later because of drinking and drug abuse. No surprise there. Same Uh No. <laughs> That's not true. No. Shortly after leaving the Air Force, he met Omather Halco Loomis. Oh, what a name. That's a great name. They met at church in Shreveport. They married about six months after meeting in September of 1974. She gave birth to their child. Oh. A daughter. But in 1977, she left him. Uh, it should be noted that O'Mather was a petite brunette, much like his female victims. All right. He continued to commit armed robberies in Georgia, Mississippi, and Louisiana, spent most of the 80s in and out of prison. In September of 1988, he's out of prison, moving back in with his parents in Shreveport. This is, I don't even know what to do with this. Um, so he used to jog around carrying a log on his shoulders. Wait, is he a like log lady I from I kept Twin, Peaks? Twin Peaks? I was like, are you the log lady? Except not as cool because she was amazing. Also, like that log was like her child. That was her child. No, this is just like, yo, bro, I'm buff. I don't Did know. Did he think it was like a like a weight or something? <sighs> yeah, well, no, I think that's exactly what it was. It was being used as a weight. 
Uh, but I'm just like, dude, 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 dude. That to me, that sounds like someone who wants to be looked at, like someone who actually wants yeah. attention. Yes. Yep. Well, you know why? Because he wanted attention. He wanted attention. He would peep in windows to watch women because, you know. Oh, Jesus. He sucks. Uh, he wanted to be a country music star and singer. Why am I also not surprised? He <laughs> would sing songs into a tape recorder. Oh. Ooh. Sure. Tape recorder? Again, press press safe on that, Gabby. Press Pause press, on the tape recorder. Press pause on the tape recorder. Do I have to remind the people at home what a tape recorder is? Because I can do it again, everyone. I can go through oh, it no. again. Huh? No, we, we got it. We got it. Did you get you it? can keep going. All right. I really wanted to go through my little lecture again, though. Just keep that tape recorder <sighs> recorded. You know what's funny? Um, I have, I, at this point, multiple tape recorders. Well, as a ghost hunter... One of the things I like to do, I have a digital recorder and I have a tape recorder because I like to see if I have more success with one or the other. So when I conduct TVP sessions, I use both. Yeah. Yeah. But it's weird, like, I don't know. Being a ghost hunter is weird. Anyway, it has nothing to do with our case. That's just an observation. Fun facts. Fun facts, folks. By May 17th of 1990... A fight between him and his father takes an explosive turn. So the yelling escalates to James chasing Danny out of the house with a gun, because that's a good idea. Oh, no. Yeah. Fired a couple warning shots, because that's a good idea. Oh, no. Danny, because, you know, we like to escalate. Listen, y'all, I don't want to get political, except I'm about to. Guns escalate shit. They escalate it. So Danny storms back in with his own gun. Shoots his father twice. Oh, no. Once in the stomach, once between the eyes. Oof, that's a, that's a real bold move right there. That's like a goner move. Uh, yeah, but his father lives. He'd lose oh, an eye. Oh, really? But he, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know what's funny is that headshots are not... Depends on the caliber of the gun, too. But, like, this is going down a whole path we don't need to go down. Anyway, he lost an eye, but he survived. So Danny fled the scene, broke into the home of Steve Clausen and Louisa Biedenhorn. What a name. It's a great name. Uh, they were a couple he'd met a couple weeks prior. He has a gun. He says to them, oh my God, this, this quote kills me. You really need to get security lighting. Oh, my God. To be fair, there was a little context to this. Like, when he'd met them, he'd spoken to them about installing some security lighting and, like, security system with them. And they thought at the time he was very polite and nice. I mean, even as he's, like, busting into their home with a gun, he's like, you should get security lighting. That's polite. That's ballsy is what that is. It's, it's, It's something. Then he says, I just shot my father. I want all of your money. I need to get out of town. Sure. Their alarm's going off because, you know, he broke into their home. And so he tells them, you got to call the company, give them the correct code. They do. They ask him to put the gun down. They tell him we don't have cash in the home. But like, like, Danny, let's let's talk through this. Uh, You know, I have to give him a lot of credit. They stayed very calm. I'm not sure if just everyone could do what they did, which is which is basically like talk them down. They say, you know, we're friends. Give give me the gun. And he does. Damn, that's impressive. Yeah. So Steve puts the gun in the other room, but then he comes back and Danny has another gun. Oh, well, that didn't do a bunch. <laughs> it's it's Danny. Get your gun. Hey, uh, <laughs> I was waiting Stupid. all night to make that pun. Um, Danny's yelling at them, and this is what he says. He says, God, I'm sorry. This is just so ridiculous. Don't screw around with me. It wouldn't bother me to kill you two, seeing as how I just killed my father. He continues, sorry, man. I'm just really nervous. I've been having these anxiety attacks, and my pills for them are downstairs. Can we go get them? Oh, buddy. Yeah. You know what, Gabby? I have anxiety. You know what I've managed to never do during one of my anxiety attacks? Kill your dad. Kill my dad. Or even, like, brandish a gun at someone. Yeah, same. 
Yeah, right? Same. Yeah. Same. I have plenty of anxiety to go around, but never have I ever. Samesies. Okay. They agree. Uh, they convince him to, to call and find out, like, hey, man, let's find out if your dad's actually, you know, dead. Which he was not. He's in critical condition, but he's not dead. So over the next couple hours, this went on for hours. His moods and personality would shift drastically. And Steve would later recall, it was like you were talking to two different people. Hmm. One polite and one very hostile personality. Which is terrifying because that means you're dealing with somebody who one minute could be rational and the next could flip that switch. Now, eventually, Louisa gives him some cash she has in her purse. Some cookies. I mean, hey, I I love a cookie. Listen, if I'm going to break in, I I expect cookies. Like, cookies or cake. Should I start calling you Santa? Well, the cake is less Santa-ish. But, like, if I'm going to break into your home, you damn well better have cookies or cake. Sugar. Cookies or cake. Okay, okay. Baked goods. I want a 40 orange cake, man. Okay. Um, they also give him a jacket. <laughs> sure. And this is, this is like, this isn't funny, but we're kind of at that point. He leaves and he says, sorry about tracking mud on your carpet. God bless you all. The, the like, politeness of it all. It's just, does he have split personality disorder? Like, <sighs> He's got something, man. He's got something. Um, so he drifts, uh, ends up in Gainesville, Florida. But this now, this whole conversation has put Danny Rowling on their radar, on police's radar. So they start pulling up his criminal history and they're like, oh, yeah, dude's got this a rap job. sheet. Yep. Bank robberies. Bank robberies. Hmm. Because what does that do? I mean, he was polite. He said, have a nice fucking day. Have a nice fucking day. Yeah, it rings a bell for them. There was a bank robbery on August 27th, which happened shortly after Krista Hoyt's body was found. So they go in the evidence room and they find, what do they find, Gabby? Screwdriver. Well, yes, but what else do they find? All his other shit? Cassette tape. A cassette tape! (laughs) A cassette tape. So they start listening to this cassette tape. Oh, no. I need y'all to appreciate something right now, which is they were not the only ones who listened to this 58-minute cassette tape. You know who else listened to all 58 minutes of this? Kim Douthit. Kim Douthit. (laughs) Uh, It's mostly like his ramblings and music. But some parts stuck out and they stuck out to police too. Uh, And we're going to include a couple of these parts for y'all to listen to. He starts out by rambling for about... 12 minutes or so messages to his brother his mother his father and and then he starts singing and there's a song he sings called mystery writer which has some interesting lyrics i'm gonna play that for you gabby Ooh, i'm so excited So this specific song, again, the lyrics, you're a killer, a drifter, gone insane. I mean, he's pretty much mapping it out for you. Also, he's 
pretty good. Like, it sounds you decent. You know what sucks is that listening to it, I was just like, some of these songs are kind of catchy. Wait, did he write that? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I no. mean, he's actually pretty good. Like, I hate to be the one to say it, but, like, it's not bad. It's it's not the worst thing in the world. And and what, so, like, the the recordings, again, I have the entire tape. Uh, you have to go through some very special things to get through, to, to get access to the entire tape. You can find chunks of what he did on the internet. You can't find the entire 58 minutes unless you're special like me. Uh, <laughs> I'm very special, Gabby. So special. Now, again, the, the, the whole thing is, is really interesting. The part for me that was the most chilling is near the end. Uh, more rambling. He he gets to a point he's talking to his brother about shooting a deer. And and the entire section is quite long. Uh so we're we're not going to include all of it. If you're super, super interested, you can reach out to me and I'm I'm happy to, you know, go further with this. But uh he's talking about killing a deer. I don't think he's talking about a deer. Okay, let's hear it. Devin, <laughs> you better get a dead gum deer for me with that, that bow I got you now. Yeah, just go a couple of times and see if you don't get lucky with it. Take it out in the backyard and practice with it when you ain't got nothing else to do for deer season. Comes up this October. And give it a shot. Just make sure that you put on some, you know, camouflage, good camouflage, because, you know, when you're going bow hunting, you got to have camouflage. And I'll tell you something else, too. Aim for the lungs. Straight through the ribcage. Either there or the heart, but the best thing to do is hit the lungs. It's the best shot for, for a deer. Straight through the lungs. You don't go very far. Aim for a deer. For the way there's that pause. For a deer. Where he's like, aim for the lungs. That's the best for a for a deer. Like he had to clarify. And again, uh he he killed by stabbing through the lungs. The lungs. No. The second part. Uh, the the tape ends a little later. It, it, it gets a little garbled because again, it's it's an audio recording. So again, apologies for the quality, but I still want you to hear just this line. I'm gonna sign off for a little bit. I got something I gotta do. And if anyone had trouble hearing that, what he says is, "I'm gonna sign off for a little bit. I got something I gotta do." You know, they, they found this before the last set of murders. Did he mean to, like, document himself? Like, literally talking about killing people? Well, but the thing is, is the vast majority of the tape is him singing, honestly. Like, there's there's the beginning section is rambling. The end section is rambling. And he never explicitly talks about murdering people. Dear. Dear, but but that's just it. I mean, again, not to be that guy. None of this is evidence in terms of like not something I'd use in court. Sure, I can use it for proof he's a creep. I mean, there's lots of that. There's lots of that, but but this is not evidence that because uh, we we have to make that distinction. There's things, there's actions people do which makes us think they're guilty. That is not evidence. Again, real fucking creepy. Don't get me wrong. Um, the one saving grace at this point, Danny Rowlings was actually in custody. Because he'd been arrested on September 7th for attempting to rob a Winn-Dixie. What's a Winn-Dixie? It's like a supermarket. All right. It's like Safeway. So he went to rob a Safeway, basically, and, and then got, got arrested got like, a, like yeah. an idiot. September 7th. So, like, a week after the last murder, he's arrested. He's off the streets. Which is, you know, they've been looking at Ed Humphrey being like, mm, you know, we arrested this dude. Now he's not. You know who else you arrested? This fucker. I've but said, it's like, 
I think this I've said fuck more of this episode than almost any episode ever. That's okay. I appreciate it. Yeah, but it's also, just I, I feel like this is similar to Bundy, right? Like, wasn't he caught because well, he had an no, expired but, license? But we knew with Bundy, we knew with Bundy. That was that's not, true. Th- like, there were hints at him already at that point, but the way he got arrested was just like dumb. Yeah, but like, they had no idea that they had a guy. I mean, calling them a serial killer is actually kind of doing. Eh, eh. He was honestly more of a spree killer than anything else. The fact that he had that one kill a year prior is kind of what puts him into the serial killer territory. But really, he's more of a proper spree killer. Um, but he'd been in jail and they had no idea because he was in jail for robbery. Well, look at that. Look at that. And also, you know what? They'd test his blood. Guess what? His blood type was... Type B. Type B. Yeah. He is officially the prime suspect. Finally. Uh There's still people, though, who are like, "Mm, we're not ready for Ed Humphrey to be given up as a suspect. Um, And we're trying to keep that connection going. Ultimately, Ed Humphrey was released after spending 10 months in jail. Which this poor guy, like, this is a guy who who needed help. Yeah. You know, he was mentally ill and needed help. Uh, On November 15th of 1991, Danny Rowling was indicted on five counts of first-degree murder. Pled not guilty. Of course. He was sent to Florida State Prison to await his trial. It was at Florida State Prison that Danny Rowling would meet uh, Robert Bobby Lewis. No. Yeah, Bobby Lewis was a Jacksonville criminal specialized in drug ripoffs and business burglaries. In 1976, he murdered another criminal, was sentenced to death. He was kind of notorious. This is this was sort of I I went down a mini rabbit hole with this guy because he was super interesting. Uh Bobby Lewis escaped death row by putting on a guard's uniform someone had smuggled in and walked out of prison. I mean, more power to him. No, I know. I'm like, that's kind of badass, dude. Like, yeah. Um, He was recaptured a couple days later. Remains the only prisoner to escape death row in Florida. Damn. Worth mentioning. Worth mentioning. So Bobby and Danny strike up something of a friendship. Of course. Bobby says that Danny is talking to him about the murders. Bobby wrote a letter outlining things Danny told him about the murders, included details that only the murderer could have known. But it gets weirder because Danny is willing to share those details, but only via Bobby. Why? I mean, pick a reason. Like... Anything from if I'm talking through somebody, it gets a lot harder in court. You could, you know, as a lawyer, I could say, well, yeah, he whispered this to Bobby, but who's to say Bobby was repeating what was actually said? The telephone game. It's a game of telephone. Yeah. So, but February 4th of 1993, Bobby, Danny and authorities, they like sit down in a room question would be asked danny would whisper his answer to bobby who would repeat what was said a lot of details came out about what exactly went down during these horrible crimes after breaking into sonia larson and christina powell's apartment he went upstairs immediately attacked sonia larson he stabbed her a few times he put tape on her mouth before continuing to stab her before she died He went downstairs where Christina Powell slept, taped her hands behind her back, uh, put tape over her mouth, cut her clothing from her body, and assaulted her. Less than two days after that, it was when he broke into Krista Hoyt's home, waited for her. He'd looked in her window for days prior. She returned uh, at about 11. He grabbed her from behind in a chokehold, subdued her with tape on her mouth and hands, cut off her clothing, assaulted her, posed her, left her, returned to his campsite, worried that he'd left 
his wallet behind. Oh, that would be very bad. That would be very bad. So he returned to the crime scene. That's when he got the idea to decapitate the body. Oh, no. And arrange the head as though it was observing the body. Which is so many layers of messed up. Many, many, many layers of messed like up. Like, he left and came back. And uh, then made it more messed up. And then made it even more. He was like, oh, this isn't messed up enough. What can I do? Mm-mm. So about a day later at about 3 a.m. is when he broke into Manny and Tracy's apartment. He attacked Manny first, which we knew. The sound of the... This is horrifying. So the sound of him attacking Manny brought Tracy into the room. She saw Manny being murdered. She ran into her own room and tried to lock the door. He said he broke it down. And she said, you're the one. And he told her, yeah. I'm the one. Mm-mm. This is not the only thing Danny has to say. Danny is also claiming to have other personalities who are the ones doing these murders. They're called. I'm going to I'm I'm doing a stab in the dark for this. Pun intended. Uh, unintended. Yanad, which is Danny spelled backwards. I guess that's how you spell Yanad. I don't know. Um, but the real evil one is called Gemini. Gemini was responsible for committing the Gainesville Ripper murders, according to Danny. During one interview, Rowling claimed he used psychic powers, you know, like you do. do. Yep. (laughs) To gain access to two of his victims. The door to the victim's apartment was securely locked when he first attempted to enter. He reportedly claimed to have used the power of his mind to unlock the door and enter the apartment. Gabby, can you use the power of your mind to unlock your door? I wish I could. I always lose my keys. Dude, I, I walked out without my, the, the door to my apartment locks automatically, which is like awesome and awful all at the same time, all wrapped into one sweet package because it's rare. It happens, but when I'm real stressed out, I tend to not be like super awesome about thinking things through. And it wasn't that long ago. I walked out without my keys and I remember calling or called you. I think I messaged you a couple of times. You were getting massage. Uh, I yep. wish I, yeah, I wish I had psychic powers then to open up my apartment. It would have saved me a lot of grief. It's just a good thing. I have your spare. It's true. So, um, for any horror fans in the audience, You might be saying to yourself, this is ringing a little bit of a bell. It should ring a little bit of a bell. Because shortly before the murder, and I mean like, when I say shortly, I mean like days before the murder. Danny went to the movies. I want us to listen to this little clip. Tell the press that I am the Gemini Lieutenant or I will punish you. Punish me? Yes. Ooh, kinky. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Now, um, again, if you're not a hardcore horror fan like I am, do you recognize what that clip's from, Gabby? Nope. I am not a hardcore horror fan the way that you are. Nobody is. Very few. No, that's a lie. Uh, A lot of people are. But that is a clip from The Exorcist 3. That's why I don't recognize it. Have you never seen The Exorcist 3? I have not. You know, The Exorcist 3, for better or worse, uh, actually has what I think is one of the best uh, jump scares in horror ever in it. Oh. I actually use it in some of my film classes to show how to build uh, tension. But for those of you who are not familiar with the story, the, the whole premise of The Exorcist 3 is that the spirit of a serial killer named Gemini, who was executed years prior, is being blamed for... Stabbings, mutilations, and oh, guess that? what? Decapitations. Ah. Yeah. So would you say decapitations. Would you say he was inspired, potentially? I don't know. Inspired scapegoat. Like, either or. Like, uh, 
I feel like this kind of comes back to that narrative of, oh, horror movies made me do it. No, they're a convenient excuse. This dude had already committed violent crimes. Horror movies didn't make him do it. No, but they gave him the name Gemini. But they gave him the name Gemini. That's true. One of the psychologists who interviewed Rowling said he admitted watching Exorcist 3. Dr. Robert Sadoff, who testified at Rowling's trial, said Rowling may have identified with the movie because Gemini is his astrological sign. Oh, me too. Do you feel the need to decapitate someone, Gabby? You know, occasionally, but I won't actually do it. You're a better person than me. Uh, during his testimony, <laughs> Sadoff said, most of us would take that as a coincidence, but not the magical thinking of Danny Rowling. He would see that as kind of a sign. Somebody communicating directly to me through the movie. Like the, any BS you detected in my tone was 100% intentional. I think that's perfect. Yeah. 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 Okay. Here's the thing, though. This is not the only movie that would be connected to Rolling. Okay. A man named Kevin Williamson. Again, my horror friends in the audience are going to recognize that name. He was watching a news story about the Gainesville Ripper, and as he heard it, he looked around his own home, and he thought, you know what? Somebody could easily come in and surprise me. After that experience, he began to write a screenplay. A screenplay with a fairly iconic phrase. Gabby, do you know what that iconic phrase is? Uh, I think so, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Do you like scary movies? Do you like scary movies? Yes, the 1996 movie Scream was inspired by the Gainesville Ripper. That is some, like, Inception shit right there. Like, the fact that apparently, allegedly, he was inspired Alleged. by... Well, not allegedly. Exorcist he full-on admits to it. And then his killings inspire another horror movie. That is true. Oh, that's true. That's, you know what, that's in my big... Kim's big, like, notebook of future Ghoulish Tendencies episodes is the case inspired by the Scream movies, which is holy fucked up. So this was not this was not oh, what no, inspired okay, no, the Scream movies. So oh no, you were right in that inception. So Gainesville Ripper inspired Kevin Williamson, but Scream inspired a pair of teenage boys to commit murders of their own. Oh, so it's a continued inception. Yeah. Oh, did you not shoot. know that? No. I figured you did because of what you were. I thought that's where you were going with that. No, I I was just following the the linear story of what you were saying. I was saying how it's kind of Inception that it's like an actual murderer was inspired by a horror movie, and then that murderer inspired a new horror movie. But then this horror movie also then inspired another murder. Like it's just wild. No, so there was another case that was inspired apparently by, um the scream murders and there was a girl and this was uh 2006 september 22nd 2006 mm -hmm. casey joe stoddart who was stabbed to death by by her classmates uh and and they they looked at and i, I think they were sentenced to license life in life in prison <laughs> life in prison as well um but but they said that they were inspired by um the scream movies to to do this. So no, you're right. It is it is kind of messed up because you've got the uh uh layers upon layers. Um, it actually the article that I just found says that they also cited Ted Bundy, Ed Gein and the sure, Zodiac Killer as sure. inspiration and they were sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Well, um uh, again, this is this has been on my list of of ones to cover at some point for Ghoulish, so we'll probably do a more comprehensive we'll episode on it. it. But uh, Kevin Williamson also drew inspiration from a murder that happened in 1950 to a a girl named Janet Chrisman or Chrisman, which again I feel like is an episode for another day. But uh, she was a babysitter who was murdered. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. The, the, the moral of the story, folks, is that lots of people get murdered. 
And inspired. <laughs> and inspired. Uh, so, I know this is kind of weird to say things are about to get weirder, but they actually are. Oh, shoot. Okay. So, Danny Rowling is introduced to a woman by Bobby, our good friend Bobby, our telephone, named Sandra London. Have you ever heard of Sandra London? Nope. She's a true crime writer. Uh, she likes to get up close and personal with her subjects. Ooh. Very close and personal. Oh, no. I don't want to know that. You really don't. Um, she likes to humanize them. Now, this is something that everybody thinks is, is necessary to do. It's actually kind of an interesting topic of conversation. Like, should we humanize killers and serial killers? Uh, victims' families often think no. But they are all humans of some kind, at least until sure. we prove otherwise. So they start collaborating. And she's kind of acting his, I don't know, like his spokesperson, basically. Like, for lack of a better word, his kind of like his agent. Then they get engaged. Okay. Wait for it. Oh, it gets better. Do they have a baby? No. But we're <laughs> going to be listening to another clip. Oh, no. Is it a sex tape? Ew. No. <laughs> oh, but you went to sex tape real quick, Gabby. <laughs> you were, like, excited about it. Is it a sex tape? No, I don't want to listen to that. Is it a sex tape? No. I didn't say it like that. In, no. my mind, in my mind, you did. It's better if you did it that way. No. That's what she said. Um, no. No, so one day in court, Danny asks if he can make a statement about, I don't know, life. The judge is like, yeah, sure, buddy, whatever. And this is what he does. I recall the day I first saw you. I reached out to say I love you. But it was hard to say I couldn't touch you. So tell me, baby, what were my words? All my tears run together. Down the path you choose to follow. Mr. Rollins. Tell me, baby, what were my words? All my tears run together. What were my words? All my tears run together, baby. Just like rain. Okay, you get one song and that's it, Mr. Rollins. We're not here so that you can address your friend. We're here for sentencing. You get one song and that's it, <laughs> Mr. Rollins. <laughs> and like, okay, so here's the thing. You can't appreciate this because this is audio. Um, this is, this is, this all, this comes from a video. This comes from a, a, a video of the, the sentencing. And like the court reporter is just typing this shit up. <laughs> It almost looks like she's playing like a piano that doesn't have sound. <laughs> it really does. And then like, the, the dude next to him just puts his hand on him to be like, yo, dude, you need like, to cut it out. That's his lawyer being just like, okay, Danny, D Danny, Danny, simmer down now. D simmer Danny, down now. Danny, Danny, Danny. And then you see his fiance wife person just grooving in the she's corner. She's just like. Oh, this is the sweetest Smitten. thing ever. You can find this is this clip is not hard to find online. We'll uh, put so it you, in our show notes. Yeah, if you if you want to see the the actual YouTube video of this and not just hear the audio, my God, it's just um, chef's kiss. But she looks so just like this is such a romantic gesture. It's not, dude. This listen, guy is wild. Listen, listen, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. If your Anyone. significant other or your hopeful significant other has to make a big romantic gesture while they're on trial for murder, you can do better. Run. Run. Uh, so, like, <laughs> so the trial's coming. Court TV is going to be covering it. You remember Court TV when it was relevant? Uh, semi. Semi is it remember still, Court TV. Like, is Court TV still a thing? Judge Judy is. Well, but Judge Judy, is she a real judge? I don't know. I love her, though. Yeah, you do. But is she a real judge? 
I don't know. I That's love not her, the, but see, like Judge Judy's not the same thing as court TV. No, no, no. Like it's not. No, court TV because is like actually broadcasting trials. Judge Judy is like the people's court or something. I don't know. Uh, it's not real. Um, so <laughs> it's not. That's how we have. Was it like Steve Harvey or somebody's a judge or? Somebody, I don't know. I just, listen. This is daytime television, and I haven't watched daytime television since Marlena was possessed by the devil on Days of Our Lives. Um, Danny addresses the court. He pleads guilty to the murders oh. in Florida. This is not the end because, in order to impose the death penalty in Florida, you have to still share evidence. Evidence to convince the jury. It's like the only way to go, I guess. So the defense is presenting evidence that um, his childhood played a major role in, I don't know, the, the, the way he turned out. Uh, and uh, his mother actually testified via video. You can, again, her video testimony is available online. I found and watched the whole thing. What's kind of bonkers is that, like, so she's testifying about how abusive and awful his dad was. And, like, in the background, you hear his dad yelling. Oh, my God. So she's being on here being like, yeah, he was really bad and he was abusive and blah, blah, blah. And you hear the dad, like, yelling in the background. It's, anyway. Um, But what was really strange is that his ex-wife testified. And she testified that she never witnessed anything, nor did Danny ever open up to anything about his dad and that him and his dad had a cordial relationship. But I sort of feel like both things can be true. Sure. Like she wasn't in the grand scheme of things. The, the ex-wife wasn't really with him for that long. It, it, it doesn't mean because she never witnessed it or he never spoke of it to her. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. Like sure. we had, we had neighbors who said they saw it. It also doesn't mean that maybe he was embellishing things. I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know. At the end of the day, honestly, doesn't matter. The abuse you suffered in your childhood sucks. Does not give you a free pass to murder people. No, no. On March 24th of 1994, he sentenced to death. It would not be until shortly before his execution in 2006, he would officially confess to the Shreveport murders. In a letter that was handed to his pastor, he would say, Hereby I make a formal written statement concerning the murders of Julie, Tom and Sean Grissom in my hometown of Shreveport, Louisiana. Hal Carter, Julie Grissom's former fiance, is 100% innocent, all caps, totally pure, all caps, of that crime. I and I alone am guilty. It was my hand that took those precious lights out of this old dark world. With all my heart and soul, would I could bring them back. Being a native son of Shreveport, I can only offer this confession of deep felt remorse over the loss of such fine, outstanding souls. Have wept an ocean of tears, by which mournful doth float upon a sea of regret. Danny Rowling. Thanks, Danny. That means a lot. <clears throat> yeah, that'll really bring these people back. Yeah, his family is just like, oh, well, you know what? I was feeling bad about all of our family members' deaths, but your letter just made us feel so much better. On October 25th of 2006, Danny Rowling ate a last meal of lobster tail, butterfly shrimp, baked potato, strawberry cheesecake, and sweet tea. What a lineup. Do you ever wonder what your last meal would be? Sushi. Spicy tuna. Wow. You just had that ready. I love spicy tuna. And it has to be from Katsuya because nothing else will do. 
You have that last meal ready, though. Would anything else, like, do you have a last meal dessert you would be like? Either that or, like, the most legit Mexican food known to man, you know? Like, Which is not in Seattle, I'm sure. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Um, yeah, I know what I like and I stick to it, you know? Nothing wrong with that. What about you? What would you have? Oh, God. I, that's, I feel like I have to think more about that. I've not really thought about what my last meal would be. My... It's so much about what my mood is, you know? Like, there's days I'm just like, man, I would kill for... Mac and cheese. For mac really and cheese. Really good mac no, and cheese. that was me. Like, I was in a depression spiral on Friday, and that's what I got with you was mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Um, But, like, I sometimes I like a really good garden burger and, like, onion rings or french fries. But sometimes I really want pad thai or, like, ramen. Last night I finished teaching. I just really wanted ramen. I'm somebody, it kind of comes down to that same thing with like when people ask me your favorite movie. And I'm like, I don't know, ask me when my, my mood is ever changing. It's what I want. But uh, I'm going to think on that. I'm going to think on that and report back. If I had to build a last meal, what it might be. Um, listeners, I'm actually kind of curious. Send us your last meals. Last meals? If you had to have a last meal, what would it be? Uh, when asked for his last words, he sang a hymn. Of course he did. And was then executed by lethal injection. Um, you know, and again, like I, I talked a lot about this case. There was a lot we covered in this case. And again, this this covered two different episodes for us. Uh, that being said, like, man, what I didn't say about this case, I, I mentioned the book earlier, Monster for All Time by J.T. Hunter. Um, I looked at a couple different documentaries, including a 2020 episode. Uh, there is a lot to delve into in this case. And even in this two-part episode, I'm not even covering a, a fraction of it, so... If you want to do a deep dive, there's lots of resources available to you. Shortly after the murders, a memorial was painted on a wall in remembrance of the victims. Uh, it still stands there, even today. You can find pictures. We'll post some to our Instagram. It's actually a really lovely memorial. But uh, that is the story of Danny Rowling, the Gainesville Ripper. Oof. Yeah, it's... You know, I, I, it's really interesting, too, because I feel like, you know, I knew about him, um, but I don't feel like he is a killer that's kind of part of our vocabulary the way that Bundy, Ridgeway, Dahmer is. I agree. Uh, but he was a really significant one and inspired a lot of media. I'm surprised it's not as well known because it's inspired so much media. Um, especially with threat, like slashers in general. Oh, sure. Like, types of horror films. Sure, like, sure, this sure, is sure. Exactly. Well, and there was, I, I did watch this too, although I didn't really, by the time I watched this, uh, I think it was on Peacock. It was, it was before the last Scream movie came out. They did kind of a mini documentary about like, you know, the case that inspired Scream. But sure. again, by, I feel like by the time I watched it, it'll be in our show notes. I'll list this too. I don't think I learned anything new from it, but a little bit of it, honestly, um, I think was when the crimes were. Most of the serial killers we sort of look to as being our, our golden age, our definitive Bundy is is sort of top of everybody's list. Bundy, mm -hmm. even Ridgeway. Ridgeway may not have been caught until what 2001, but he primarily operated in the 80s. Um Dahmer, same thing. Bundy, the 70s. Uh Gacy. <laughs> all of these I mean, there's a whole slew of them. Kemper, but all of these yeah. were Mostly the 70s, some of them the late 60s, but like the, the, the 70s were sort of, things changed by the time you got to the 80s, things definitely changed by the time you got to the 90s. And it's a real different time now, and again, I feel like this is a whole other episode. Um, yeah. But uh, there's a few really interesting books that have been written about the progression of serial killers and how killers have evolved, how... Uh, 
what's been going on in the world has impacted killers. And again, um, I, I feel like Danny Rowling is calling him a serial killer is not fully accurate. Uh, I mean, technically because he had the one kill in Shreveport and then a year went by before he went on a spree, but he really seems like a, a spree killer to me. I don't What do you think about that? I feel like you'd have to get into the weeds of it to determine the difference. And a lot of people don't even know the difference between a spree killer or a serial killer. I, so I, it really depends I, on who you talk I can to. tell you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying in general, like if you were to ask a general audience, it would be a little bit of a different response if you're talking to someone who knows. So if you, I, I mean, honestly, I don't think we should go down this rabbit hole because I think this episode's already very long. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just was, moral of the story is I think that it depends on who you talk to. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. It's, I could see why you would think it's a spree killing, but I could also see why someone would think it would be a serial killer situation, especially coming after all the other people. Well, sure. And I mean, again, it's it's kind of where you're like, this is sort of a dicey one because, you, you know, you've got your your three different groups of, of killers. And again, we won't go too far down this, but like your serial killers, spree killers, mass murderers. Technically, he's a serial killer. And I think if he'd been allowed... If, if he hadn't been caught, he would have continued killing, no doubt. Oh, for sure. And then that would be a serial killer. And so that, absolutely. But the, the, the impulse to kill very quickly in these bursts, that's more indicative of, of a, spree a spree killer than yeah. it would be a serial killer. But, but yes, it's, we're quibbling over things, and neither of us has degrees in psychology. We just read too many weird things. <laughs> <laughs> and this brings us to... Well, I, you know, I've been watching a handful of things lately. What I will say is there's a bunch of shows coming out that I'm really stoked on and some movies too. So I know we're going to have some pretty exciting things for uh, Creepy Critics Corner in the future. Uh, Future I'm also, I've been, well, I've been banking a lot of horror films I want to see because 100 Days of Horror starts in like six weeks. Oh my god, that's so soon. I know, but this is around the time I start banking horror films for it. So there's some new stuff out that I've I've been deliberately avoiding on Shutter because I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I'm excited to watch this, so I'm gonna save it. That being said, uh, we are currently in a season of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, which as as <laughs> as we all know, Kim loves. Yes, she does. She does. And on Friday night, uh, we watched The Monster Club, which is a 1981 British anthology horror film, which I've seen chunks of, but I'd never actually seen all the way through. Man, it is absolutely delightful. Like, it's so ridiculously silly, and it has such a ridiculously silly cast. You got Vincent Price playing a vampire. Nice. And you just have all of these, like, Donald Pleasance is in it. Um, you know, John Carradine is in it. It's it's just this, like, kind of ridiculous but utterly delightfully silly anthology horror film about this vampire who meets a guy in an alleyway and, you know, indulges in a little sip sip because he's hungry. Doesn't kill the guy, just like takes some takes some blood. And the guy turns out to be a writer. So he takes this writer to the monster club. Ooh, fun. And there's like the most ridiculous, lovely, weird dance numbers with all the monsters. <laughs> and then he shares these stories. And so there's um three different stories that he shares about different monsters and like again the whole thing is so silly but in just the best possible way i don't think it's possible to watch this movie and not be rather charmed um and you can i think part of it is you can see how much fun the actors are having it sounds and I'm like a, a good time it really is it's it's also it's the kind of movie if you have like a kid who's interested in maybe watching some horror this is a great horror film to watch with kids my husband like your husband <laughs> but it's it's like it's it's not particularly gruesome like there's 
a couple moments, but nothing that it's, you know, 1981. So it's all pretty harmless. And, and it's just, it's silly and fun. The music scenes are redonkulously good in, I don't know. I, if you want just like a good pick me up film, check it out. It's streaming on shutter. It's a really good time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I watched the monster club, uh, and, uh, I've actually been trying to catch up on, I've been trying to rewatch Stranger Things to watch the fourth season. I'm still, I just got through rewatching the first season, so I have two more seasons to try to get through before I'll hit number four, but it's been long enough since I've watched any of it that I was like, I'm nervous if I just jumped into season four, I'd be like, wait, who are these people? <laughs> I think if you watched, and I know that this is like a, an opinion, to be honest, mm-hmm. I think it depends on who you talk to, but they do a really good job of a recap at the very beginning. Um, but if you watch the last season, at least you would know what's going on. Um, well, and I'm, but, I'm kind of planning on, on skipping through a lot of season two, cause season two wasn't my favorite. Um, so I feel like I might just watch a couple select episodes from season two to kind of, again, just refresh and then yeah. rewatch season three full on. Cause I season three remember, yeah, but I, I, I'm, I was struggling to remember a lot of things. It's just been a while. So yeah, that's how it always um, is. Yeah, yeah. But, well, uh, I watched all of what has been released of season four because they're releasing it in volumes one and two now. So instead right. of it being all at once, they released seven episodes and the last episode is an hour and 40 minutes long. So like, oh, nice. it's like its own season, really. Um, each episode is pretty lengthy, but wow, 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 wow. Here's the deal with... <laughs> I, I watched all of it. I thought it was really great for what it is, but I am also an enthusiast of most things that I like. Sure. So it's, I'm the type of person where like, if I kind of like it, I'll probably like it in general. There were sure. definitely pieces of it and I'm not going to give away anything because you haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. The writing in it has some really nice little nuggets that kind of start to come together where initially you think that everything is separate, but it's not. And so I think like the writing in this season I thought was uh, elevated, but also holy monologue. Like, I know you like a monologue. I love it. Well, again, like that's like uh, Midnight Mass was just like a masterclass in giving monologues. Yeah. And I loved it. So for me... I, I thought it was great. One of my dear friends was like, I can't, I can't do it. I don't, I don't like it. It's too many monologues. So I think it just depends on like your personal taste. Sure. Um, but I recommend, I think it's very good. Uh, I don't want to give anything away at all because it's too soon because it just got released and you haven't seen it yet. But yeah, so I would highly recommend the new Stranger Things. I think it's great. Um, also, it's wild to see how grown up everybody is now compared to season one. Um, so that's something that you'll get to see live watching all four seasons in a row when you get to that point. But um, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, there's also a show on Disney plus in the star Wars vein that came out recently called Obi-Wan with Ewan McGregor as the OG Obi-Wan. Well, not OG, but the second OG the Obi-Wan second OG. <laughs> and um, James Earl Jones. Obi-Wan. James Earl Jones comes back as Vader, which oh, is really cool. Yep. So basically, Obi-Wan picks up where episodes one, two, and three left off. Um, and it's basically what happens between Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker turning into Darth Vader and that storyline. Um, and the cat, the way that they cast young Leia, she looks just like a young Carrie Fisher. Like, the yeah. casting is so good. Um, but it is... Very good. Uh, That's all I'm going to say because I don't want to give things away. Um, I highly recommend it. If you have Disney Plus, you should watch it. Um, I just got really excited that they brought back James Earl Jones for Darth Vader for his voice. Um, And I love Ewan. Ewan McGregor's great. He He is is also very handsome. Um, 
but yeah, that's a, those are the like more legitimate things I've been watching. I could tell you oh, I'm gosh. also still watching all the trash TV and Married of at First Sight. I can't stop watching. Um, it's a really awful show. You shouldn't waste your time. But that's what I like Done. to watch to like turn my brain off, you know? That's fair. Um, and then you know it's bad when your husband won't watch it with you, but will ask you for the recap. So that's <laughs> usually <laughs> how it's been going that's in telling. my neck of the woods. Um, that's but yeah, telling. that's what I've been listening to for a nice little plethora of uh, horror and weird shit and sci-fi and trash TV. Yay. Sure. It's, um, it's your brand. It's really, it's our brand together. <laughs> I'm going to say that the trash TV is not so much my brand. When I say R, I'm saying like inclusive, like ghoulish sure. tendencies, not just Kim, not just me. I don't, know, I don't know if I want to be attached to the trash TV. <laughs> um, but yeah, having said that, thank you for listening. Uh, if you like what we do, head on over to Patreon. Give us your money, please. Um, <laughs> money, please. Money, please. Um, but also, we give you some fun things back. So I promise you, we'll have some great bloopers from this episode. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> we did have some good bloopers <laughs> going into this. Truly did. Um, so if you like some extra bells and whistles, head on over to Patreon. Find us at Ghoulish Tendencies. And if you don't have the ability to contribute, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a rating or review. You can find us anywhere that you look up Ghoulish Tendencies podcasts on social media. I promise we're there. Show notes are going to be at ghoulishtendencies.com. And that's about it, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And stay.